Tonight we get to a a subject that I can tell you as a pastor is not my favorite because it's difficult to talk about when you're the recipient uh, of the blessings that the Lord brings into the church. But nonetheless, uh, Scripture is very clear that we are to faithfully support ministry, that it lies with us in the ministry to support the ministry, and that includes all of us. The Apostle Paul now is going to speak to that issue, and he's going to do so for the entirety of the passage that we'll be looking at, so verses 1 through 18 here in 1 Corinthians 9. So if you'd turn there, God has given a very specific way that the needs of the church and thereby the needs of those whom the church touches are to be provided for. Here in this church, we have outreach around the globe. We have ministries to about every type of people group that you can imagine uh, in our own community. Uh, We obviously have a massive facility. Uh, We have 74 employees that are on staff here. Uh, We have uh, pastors for all kinds of different things and leaders for all kinds of different things. Those are all taken care of. Their needs are met in the vein of this passage. And the reason that this is important is, as Pastor Alex said, as we began tonight, giving is not a burden, it is a blessing. Giving is something that we do as an act of worship, not as an act of worry. And so as we tackle this sensitive subject, I'll remind you that this actually is the first time uh, since Connie and I got here three and a half years ago that I have taught on this subject. And the only reason I'm doing it tonight is because it's found right here in God's Word and we study it chapter and verse. Amen? So this is not about cajoling people. This is not about putting my finger on your button and pushing it. It's us hearing from God about what God's Word says about how we are to faithfully support ministry. And so would you pray with me, and we'll dig in at verse 1 here in 1 Corinthians 9. Father, thank you. First, I want to thank you for the faithfulness of the body of Christ here at Calvary Chapel, South Bay. Because a vast majority are faithful. And I pray maybe there's some tonight that are wondering, what is the reason that we even pass those tithe bags? Why do we do it? And Lord, I pray that nothing I would say would hinder the work of your spirit, but you, Holy Spirit, would speak to your people on this important act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 here in 1 Corinthians 9, am I not an apostle and am I not free? And so he's going to explain first his apostleship. Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? And remember, While Paul did not walk with Jesus with the rest of the disciples during his Galilean ministry, it was in fact Jesus that the Apostle Paul met on the road to Damascus. And so he did visibly see the Lord Jesus. Are you not my work in the Lord? And so he begins by expressing who he is to them and why this subject would even be important. And remember, the Apostle Paul 
here in the first letter to the church at Corinth, is asking, or excuse me, answering questions that he was asked. And so he's responding, in essence, to these questions. And one of those questions was this area of giving. Am I not an apostle to others? An apostle means one who is sent with a commission, one who is sent out, one who's been given a task by God, and that person has been put on their way in the way of the Lord. And we can clearly see that the apostle Paul is, in fact, an apostle. He was sent out by God to do a very specific thing, and that was to take the gospel into the world of the Gentiles. And so he was sent out, and to many, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Philippi, to the church here at Corinth. Uh, he, he was used mightily to minister to those who were in Galatia, modern-day Greece, Turkey, even all the way into Rome. And so the Apostle Paul was sent on a tremendous commission. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So it was very clear that as he's talking to them, he's going, look guys, you're proof that I've been sent as an apostle. I carried the message, you're here, this church was founded because God used me to plant this church. And my defense to those who examine me is this. Because here was the problem. People were wondering, you know, what this guy was all about. Was he a money grubber? Was he in it just simply for the money? Because many at that time, like many today, were in the ministry for the wrong reason. And as I've shared with you before, I have a very large personal problem, and I have a biblical problem with pastors who are in the ministry strictly for the, for the sake uh, of seeing how big a paycheck they can take and how big a home or homes or multiple homes that they can buy or, or, or whether they can have a private jet. Uh, I find that nowhere in Scripture, and I do not believe it is biblical, and I'm willing to stand toe-to-toe with anyone who says it is. And I don't care the, the extent of what they say, because Scripture is clear that we who are in the ministry should live in moderation. We should have a lifestyle that is the same as the people that we minister to as best as we possibly can. So that precludes us from living in mansions. That excludes us from having private jets. That means that you're not going to find a Ferrari parked out in my parking space anytime soon. Unless one of you wants to give me one I can drive for a day, and I'll zip around, get a couple of tickets, and bring it back to you. Because you know they'd pull me over. Do we have no right to eat and drink? You, you see, sometimes, and, and I remember very specifically early in my pastoral ministry, I, I kind of got into, and, and I will admit that part of it was my fault because it was, I was a little upset by the question, but, you know, I had a guy come up to me and says, well, you only work one day a week. Why do you need a paycheck? You might imagine I took offense to that because at the time I was actually holding down a full-time job for the privilege of pastoring the church in Running Springs. I actually wasn't taking a check from the church in Running Springs and he didn't know that, of course, because we didn't broadcast it. But the bottom line was he was almost looking at me like I had, just like Paul is asking here, well, can't my children actually eat? Don't 
I have the right to actually survive while I'm preaching the gospel to you? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? You know, it's interesting because you can, you can take this both ways to the extreme. You can have people who turn ministry into business, and then you can have people who make the pastor into nothing more than an employee. Neither is correct because there's a calling on the pastor's life and the responsibility of the people is to make sure that he can do it. But not to an extreme and not to the glory of humanity, but to the glory of God. And so he speaks these things to them in a way that they could understand it. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? So he starts to talk about the hierarchy of, well, you know, it's okay, we'll pay the senior pastor, but if you're an associate pastor, they can starve to death. Now, let me be blunt and let me be honest with you as your pastor. There is not any chance on the face of this earth that one person could handle the ministry needs of this church. And every last person who is here Pastor Rob and Pat and Dennis, whom you just saw, all the way down through our janitorial staff, all the way to those who work in graphics, to those who are behind the scenes right now. You always thought those windows back there were spy windows. That's actually our video room. There are people in there doing things right now so that people can watch all around the world. Every last one of them is absolutely essential to the function of this church. And every last one of them thereby should be important to each one of us, especially me. I am very grateful for the amazing staff that we have here at this church. Now, amen? You can, you can applaud. Absolutely. And here's why I say that. We live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, in essence, South L.A. County, is one of the most expensive places to live on planet Earth. Amen? I'm glad you agree, because you all know this all too well. You see, so the people who were here on our janitorial staff deserve to make enough money that they could make that same money in the world because they're doing the same job in the same place that you all work. And you all live. You know, they don't live in Arizona and commute in every day where housing is cheaper. So, so Paul's making the case here that wherever you are in ministry, that body in that place has a responsibility to take care of those people because geographically, economically, socially, that's where those people are ministering. So you would expect the salary of someone who's here in Los Angeles to be, with, be commensurate uh, with that which allows them to actually stay here and do what God's called them to do. And that's the point that the Apostle Paul is making. He's not saying they should be rich, but he is saying they should be able to eat. Now, I don't know how many of you actually have a subsistence living at your house. Probably some of you think you do at your job, but you don't. You don't grow your own vegetables. You, you probably don't farm your own potatoes. You more than likely don't have any goats and chickens and sheep. Maybe some, In Lomita, we have some. 
But most of us don't. And the fact of the matter is, I have been in countries where, as I've shared the word, I've been given chickens. I've been given a goat. I have been given a meal. And it's absolutely wonderful because that is exactly how they live there. And it's beautiful. But here, my mortgage payment won't get paid with a goat. Your car insurance bill will not get paid with chickens, okay? You can't go into farmers and go, I brought you a cluck of chickens. So what do we do here? We use this instrument called money, currency. And instead of trading chickens and goat and sheep and pottery and basketry and cloth and those types of things, we do a day's work and we give someone a paycheck, and this is important for us to understand because sometimes we almost take the biblical model so far as, well, you know, God will provide, brother. I've actually had people say that. Well, if you were really of the Lord, the Lord would put money in your bank account. Really? Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> Notice how he further drives this point home. Whoever goes to war is his own expense. I I suppose all of you know this. We pay our military, amen? Why? Because you really don't want to trust the safety of the United States of America to a bunch of people who are more worried about farming than fighting, amen? If If you put our military out in the field, you say, well, I hope you can find some food. Um, How many battles do you think they're going to win? Zero. This is a very practical passage. Notice what he further says. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit? Uh, We have some grand dogs and they eat all of our fruit in our backyard. We have some, we've got tomatoes and, you know, we've got some peppers back there. And we've got strawberries. And I like the strawberries. So do the dogs evil little beasts. (laughs) But the whole point is, is that you plant those things so that you can enjoy them. Amen. You're not paying that water bill so you can go out there. Here's my strawberries and I hope they rot on the ground. Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. Basically, the apostle Paul is saying, don't I have the right to be compensated from the field in which I work? And so he's making this case for cash, if you will, or for tithing, more importantly, because it's the only way that God has actually expressed to us how we're to give towards the work of the ministry. Jesus himself spoke a number of times throughout the Gospels about this area of life and living, and in fact, he makes the basic case that Where your treasure is, that's exactly where your heart's going to be also. And so there is a direct connection with our physical well-being, our life and our possessions. That's why scripture uses 2,350 verses about possessions and things that you might own or be steward over as an example of how we're to conduct our life because if you won't put your time, your talent, and your treasure into it, you can be sure your heart's not in it. And so it becomes a heart issue for us. And so to square this away, what they would have known, because for them, 
They were in a Jewish society that was governed by a very clear understanding and a Gentile society that was governed by a pagan understanding that even if you went to the pagan temple, you donated something so that the work of the temple could go on. And so here's how the the word of the Lord would have been understood by them because they would have understood the principle that we call tithing, which simply means a tenth. And while I I want to do this in a way that is whimsical, if I can, I also want to say, don't forget that Jesus said, when you give, not if you give. In other words, it's not supposed to be, you know, well, I kind of sort of don't feel like it this week or this month or this year, or I really have never felt like it because Pastor Jeff wears Levi jackets and they offend me. I've had people talk about my shoes, my car, you know, I saw you at a restaurant. You know, you, if you get the coupons, uh, you, you know, go to Derweiner's, that's all there, three cents. Dead serious. Uh, I'm not joking. <laughs> it's the way it goes. And, and so... As we talk about these things, understand, I'm with you. I can tell you my family tithes. My family tithes. So the first thing that happens to my paycheck from this church is the tithe comes out and God gets it before we get our paycheck. That's how much I believe in it. And that's vast majority of the staff here does that as well. I believe that the Lord has something for us in this area of our lives. Some basics for you. Tithe simply means tenth. The first place, if you were with us in our study of Genesis, when we got to chapter 14, it's the very first mention of the word tithe. And Abraham gave a tenth of all to the high priest. He was bringing it into the place uh, that God could use it. And so there to Melchizedek is the tithe given. Uh, God ordained this in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 19 Bring the first fruits of your land and bring into the house of the Lord your God these first fruits. He, he ordained the church as a place that those first fruits be taken. And again, I want to give you just the highlights here so you can kind of put these principles into your mind and, and ask yourself, am I fulfilling the role that God's called me to have in helping support the ministry? And I realize that a vast majority of you do, but maybe for some who they're not quite understanding this whole principle. This is for you tonight. As I've already said in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uses this term. He says, but when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So here's what you can expect. You're never going to get a call from Pastor Jeff saying, thank you for that check you put in the tithe bag. You want to know why? I don't have a clue about anyone's giving in the entire church. I don't know. I will never know. I don't want to know. It's between you and God. We have a team of elders that go to accounting room. They take those things that come in and they count them. They put them together in another bag and those things are sorted. And they go to accounting and accounting Uh, blindly through multiple checks and processes then puts them into your account it's between you and God but it doesn't say if it says when that's the third principle here the fourth can I just simply remind you 
exactly as Psalm 24 says, that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who dwell upon it belong to him. So I hate to tell you if you got this messed up in your head and your heart, you don't actually own anything while you're here. None of it's actually yours. All of it is God's, and he's given you 100% of it. So everything you have actually already belongs to him. The only question is, are you going to be a faithful steward with it? Because it actually doesn't belong to you. 100% of it belongs to God. A fifth thing. And this is a beautiful passage. I encourage you to read the whole of Malachi chapter 3. So go back to the Old Testament. The the last book there, just after Matthew, going the opposite direction. This is the only principle in the entire Bible where God has actually challenged you to test him to see if he's not good or not. Now that's nuts to me. If God comes to you and says to you and says to me, look, I want you to test me in this, and here's what it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That would be the church. Tithe means tenth. That there may be food in my house. And now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it. Anybody in here want enough blessings of the Lord that you cannot receive them? I do. I'll just be straight up honest with you. I like blessings. I don't like curses. I like blessings. So if God says, try me in this, test me in this, do this and see if I'm not true to my word, if you want to test the Lord in these areas, then just try him. Here's the good part. It doesn't stop there. Number six. Notice the opposite side of this. How many of you have ever bought a lemon car? I have. A 1984 Pontiac Fiero. Look good on the outside, dead men's bones on the inside. Tithing is protection against Satan's attack on your family's finances. It's a very simple principle. Same book, same chapter, one verse later. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You see, not only does he promise to give you blessings, but he promises to protect that which you already have in your stewardship. Anybody want that? I do. I do. And I want that for us. These are areas of obedience where God has asked us to simply test him. Do it and see if he's not true to his word. It has to be a priority. Number seven. You know, some people say, well, you know, I can't afford to give. And I usually say something like, you can't afford not to give. If you want to be blessed, if you want God to protect what you have, you cannot afford to not give. You just can't. Because you can keep everything you already have and not give, and God will allow the destroyer to do what he says here, which is your stuff isn't going to last. Your, your house is going to need repair sooner than you think. 
You're, you're going to end up with a car that's a lemon. Because he's good. And so he doesn't want his kids to go without, so we make sure that we understand these principles. has to be a priority. That's why Exodus 34 says, bring the choices, first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord. Now, we don't plant everything, grow everything, but we do get a paycheck from the work that we do. And so the first part of it belongs to the Lord. Not if you have something left over. That is a recipe for financial disaster in the life of a believer. If you want to know how to ruin your personal finances, just be stingy with God. Just saying. One of the first questions I will ask when people come into my office when we're talking about the area of personal finance, without asking them what without asking them when, without asking them any other question, I will simply say something to the effect, are you faithful to give to the Lord? Notice I didn't say, are you faithful to give to Calvary Chapel South Bay? I just said the Lord. And almost invariably, when there is a real mess of their finances, they will say, well, you know, nah. And I will say, if you're not faithful to God... Why would you expect him to bless you when his word says, if you want to test and see if he's good, test him in this one thing? Test him, try him. It has to be a priority. Verse 8, same book, same chapter, Malachi 3. Here's the question that starts this whole little piece of advice from the Lord Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. When you're unfaithful to God, he lets you know that that's not okay. Number nine. It's an act of worship. Genesis 28, verse 22. The tithe belongs to God. It is our spontaneous response to the majesty of God. It's exactly as Jacob said, and of all that you have given me, God, I will not fail to allot a tenth part to you. It shows me that I understand where it came from in the first place. It it, it helps me prioritize the financial things of my life. You know, sometimes I look at the things that the Lord's done in our lives, and it's like, I've had eternal thin issues. I don't know why they last for 10 years. People look at it and go, weren't you wearing those like 10 years ago? Yeah, they're still good too. It is important as we sing songs, as we bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name, that part of that is financial. It's like, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for loving me and blessing me, and as an act of worship, here you go. It's yours. I want you to have it back. You gave it to me in the first place. Wonderful act of worship. Both Jesus and Paul taught on this. Jesus in Matthew 23, Paul will get to in chapter 16 of this book. And tithing should be a joy, not a burden. 
should actually look forward to it because there are some promises associated with it. Okay, God, it's up to you now. I've given to you. I'm holding you at your word. I expect everlasting tennis shoes and to never go without. David actually said, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen my people begging for bread. I can tell you before the Lord, Connie and I have never done without. Never. Not ever. Oh, there's been lean times. There's been times when you're looking at the checkbook and going, that's really close to zero. But it's never been zero. Not ever. Not ever. God is faithful. And if you will be faithful, I guarantee you he will bless you. How he does that is between you and him. But you can expect him to bless you. Uh, as, you, as you pray before the Lord, the, the church in Corinth was having an issue with this. And this is where it touches your life and my life. He says, look, I don't want you to have an issue with this. If you'll be faithful, then these guys that are traveling with me, I myself, we can do what God's called us to do, and we're all the better for it. And so now having said that, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you again for the untold number of you that are faithful in the Lord to this end. Thank you for your faithfulness. Not for me, but to the Lord. Not to this church, but to the Lord. The reason that team is going to Uganda is your faithfulness. The reason we're sitting in this beautiful building is your faithfulness. The reason that we have people all over the world, churches we support all over the world, is your faithfulness before the Lord has provided for those things. The reason those screens exist, the stage exists, the new sound system exists. The reason that we have those junior hires and high schoolers in their own sanctuary behind those walls is because of the faithfulness of God's people to do what God's called them to do as an act of worship. Don't ever surrender that for any reason. Paul gives here as a apostolic credentials. And as we think of this passage, he was sent by the Lord. And the, the glorious thing is, is when we send somebody out, we send a team to Africa, or as Connie and I will be going here in just about a month down to Columbia to do a pastor's conference down there, as we send people out to do the work of the Lord, we send them able to do it by taking care of them. You know, it's a long walk to Columbia. I don't know if anybody's ever swam across the Atlantic Ocean. We're going to make sure they fly. Now, they're not flying first class, but they're going to fly. Why? So they can get there and actually do something in that 11 or 12 days that they'll be there. So, so the point is, through all of this, as Paul's being sent, as our team to Uganda's being sent, as you send... Uh, Connie and I, as we'll be going to the Philippines, as we stay here, as we're ministering to the homeless in our own backyard, as we send people out to do that, we take care of them, they can do a better job of doing the ministry. And so Paul gives his credentials as to why he ought to be supported. And that's really all that's happening here. He, he's saying, look, I, I came uh, by the direct command of the Lord Jesus himself. And so he answers these questions 
And he gives these three things that are the attestation that he was an apostle. The direct commission, the attesting signs and wonders. Paul did signs and wonders and miracles. Things happened through his ministry, and the ministry itself was successful. And so he had every right to be supported by the church. He was doing a work that was clearly from God. And that's why when you see somebody whose main idea is the next largest roles that they can buy or they need a $60 million you know, falcon to fly around the country in, you can be pretty sure that probably didn't come from God. Because you know what? American Airlines flies to those cities. And then you can take a car and save the church about $60 million dollars. Because if you ever thought about the interest on $60 million, you can do a lot of flying coach for $60 million. Amen? You can fly forever the rest of your days just on the interest off of $60 million. So when somebody says, well, I have to have it because I've got to get into an airport. Cars work really well. Mopeds work really well. Paul was on a mission. He was simply asking, help me complete the mission. He gets to the point that pastors are worthy of their compensation. And that's why I said they're they're no different. I'm no different. We're no different than farmers. No different than people that are ranchers. No different than soldiers that are in the military. I I would hope that I'm at least as valuable as an ox to you. (laughs) And the scripture says you don't muzzle an oxen while it's treading out grain. And the picture is this. Back in those days and times, one of the ways that they would thresh grain is they would take all the grain, they would pile it uh, usually on a compacted dirt floor, they would plant a post in the middle of that dirt floor, they would then take a very large stone, that large stone would be tied to the back end of an oxen, the oxen would simply wander around in a circle, and it would take the grain and the husks would come off, the grain would be left, they would sweep it into the middle, they would then put it into a basket, throw it in the air, and winnow off the rest and they would keep the wheat. But here's what happened to the poor ox, because he was stuck there all day long. He got the nibble on what was on the ground. So some of the husks, some of the wheat itself, he was allowed to eat. You don't muzzle the oxen while he's treading out the grain. And so the principle is here, if you want somebody to do good work, you need to feed them. You need to take care of them. You need to make sure that they're cared for so that they can continue to do the work of the ministry. It's a very simple, simple process. Now, of course, the ox could determine that it was already full. The ox could say, well, I don't really need to eat right now. Then a pastor can determine, I I need this salary, maybe I'm worth this, but here at this church, uh, the board determines those things. I, as a pastor, don't determine my own salary. The other six men who sit on the board do that. They tell me what my paycheck is. We have a wonderful, amazing chief financial officer that governs those things, looks over our financials, looks at everything that we have, and this is what we do. And the reason this is important, I think it's important for you to know, the staff here at this church has medical insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance. They have access to a 401k. Uh, They have all the same things that people in the world because they live in the same world as the people that they're ministering to. And so when someone spends 20, 25, 30 years of their life, you know, at the end, you know, 
God generally doesn't miraculously write you a check, so we kind of need to make sure that they're taken care of. People who love the Lord get sick, so that's why we have health insurance for our employees. These things are all very simple things, but sometimes we can forget that in a church this side, we, need to, we, we are a medium-sized business in that sense, and we have all the same demands put upon us as everyone else. We can't just, well, you know, you're working for the Lord, so hope you make it. (laughs) You got people working two, three jobs trying to make ends meet so that they can do the work of the Lord. That's, That's not right. And so we try and compensate them in a way that they can do the work of the ministry. Very important. We don't overpay, but we do have a benefit package that probably some of you in this room would like to have. It's a good one, and you can be proud of it. You can be proud of the way that our pastors here are compensated. You see, because here's the goal. We're not working for wages. I'm not working for wages. I, I was in the business world before I became a pastor, so I know exactly what it's like to hold down a job and work 60, 70 hours a week running your own business. I know exactly what that's like. And I would much rather do those things for the Lord. Anybody that comes into ministry thinking that it's the world's best way to make a living is just not too smart. And I don't say that so much to to demean their thought process, but to say there are other ways to make a living. I mean, if you can sit around and do this with your thumbs, if you can get paid to play video games, ministry is a lot harder than that. So... The reason that we think on these things is so that we know why we're doing what we're doing. It helps me be more joyful. You know, when I watch the fruit, when I look at the the videos that come back from our mission trip, and I realize that there are thousands of people around the globe that have come to faith in Christ because of your faithfulness, I get a big old fatty smile on my face. That's what happens to me. I'm going, Lord, you're too good. You put all the right pieces and parts into the ministry here at Calvary Chapel South Bay so that we can do these things together. Because it takes the people who are doing the the hard work of going to their jobs every single day. And faithfully, I can't do what I'm doing right now without you doing what God has called you to do. We're in this together. You're not less important than I am. You just have a different function. Any pastor that doesn't recognize that is doomed to fail. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to do what God's called me to do. And you enable that. You make it so that Connie and I can do what we do. And so all the rest of the staff can do what we do. And Paul echoes basically that sentiment. You see, because here is the thing. Faithful tithing frees pastors to preach and reach and teach. Amen? That's what happens. The reason that Dennis can go with the team, the reason that Pat is already there with the team, is because of the faithfulness of the body here in this church. And when they go, they're not going with debt. We're not begging people. If you notice, we don't ask for anything. We just say, you pray about it, and you do what God tells you to do. And God provides. Every single thing that we have done in the last 
three and a half years since I've gotten here, every single project, hear me well, church, you can pass this around to the rest of the church, every single thing we have done has been paid for with cash. 100% of it. Every room, every building, every piece of technology, all of things, the parking lot, all of it, the new landscaping, every bit of it. There's not a cent of borrowed money. That's your faithfulness at work. That's, that's the Lord impressing upon people's hearts to give, and we just do what he calls us to do. Thank you. Paul says, look, if we've sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest? The answer is, of course not. If others have the right to support, shouldn't we have it all the more? Of course. We didn't use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything and everything rather than hinder the gospel. At the end of the day, we're going to do what God's called us to do for the sake of the gospel. We're in one of those seasons where God has blessed us richly and we want to bless others richly. There's no need, there's no lack, there's no want in God's house. And I pray that it continues. I pray that we have... You know, this is going to sound strange to you, some of you. I pray almost every day that God would bless us so abundantly that there's nothing we couldn't do. If he called us to build a hospital someplace, we could do it. Not because I want to be the president of an empire, but because I want to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why. Our needs are met and then some. But I would love to see us do more ministry. So to that end, your financial giving, your, your worship before the Lord enables us to do anything that God tells us to do. Verse 13 says, Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what's offered at the altar? During that day and time, the Levitical order actually drew its sustenance from the temple itself. They would take part of the barbecue out in the courtyard home. So as they're flipping the meat over with those giant tongs on, the, on this altar that's burning in the middle of the courtyard, a portion of it actually went to the priests. When they baked the showbread, they got some of the bread. When the bread was done being used as an object of worship, the, the Levites actually ate of it. That's all he's saying. And so we try and do that with all of our staff here at this church. We want people who are here that are serving you and serving uh, the Lord, really, through all that they do, whether that's in children's ministry or in the Welcome Center, if there's a paid staff member in one of those places, the bookstore, the cafe, uh, we want them to be able to eat from the fruit of the labor that they are undertaking. And Paul says in verse 15, but I have not used any of these rites, and I'm not writing this in hope that you would do such things for me. And I echo that. My family is well cared for. We are blessed. We don't need another thing. If we pass from this life to the next with what we have right now, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
But I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. And what is that boast? That when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. He's saying, look, I just want to be taken care of so that I can preach the gospel. Amen. That's what we want this church to do. That's what we want this church to do, is be so freed from the bounds of, of having to worry about financial things that we can simply preach the gospel simply, that we can simply teach the word of God simply, exactly as Pastor Chuck said. We want to be able to do everything that God's called us to do and not leave out anything that God has called us to do. The path to preaching and reaching and teaching is also one that requires that we be faithful. And that's with every last one of us. And it doesn't matter how large or how small. It doesn't matter that your tithe is not the same size as someone else's tithe. It matters that our hearts collectively before the Lord are, God, I don't want to withhold anything from you because I want the fullness of your blessing. And if we do that, we're going to be able to do anything and everything God calls us to do. And we have been. We've sent out, just so you realize this, we have sent out more missions teams and missionaries in the last three years than this church has sent out in its entire history. Amen? In 30 plus years, more have gone out in the last one-tenth of that amount of time. Why? Because of your faithfulness. Because God has blessed us. The reason we've incurred no debt, same reason. The reason the debt that was on this building when I got here is now in half from when I got here, your faithfulness. We want to live free to do the will of the Lord. If we all do our part, we'll be able to do amazing things for the kingdom. Amen? If I were doing this of my own free will, then I would deserve payment. But God has chosen me and given me the sacred trust, so I have no choice. What then is my reward, Paul says in verse 18, just this. That in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, so that I may not make use of my rights in preaching it. One of the reasons that we give our CDs away, one of the reasons that we no longer charge for any of those things, one of the things that we want to do in the bookstore going forward is make sure you get Bibles for whatever we pay for them. The reason we do that is the gospel should never be charged for. Ever. Amen? So those study resources online, they're all free. You can just go download them. If you're a glutton for punishment, I think I have like 500 studies on there already. So you can just download to your heart's desire. You can make yourself a library. If there's anything good in it, you give that to Jesus. If there's something bad in it, please don't write me a letter. (laughs) We should give the gospel away because it was freely given to us and freely we should give it. Amen? Thank you, thank you, thank you from my heart to yours for your faithfulness. Father, thank you.
for this amazing congregation. Lord, it is truly a privilege to pastor this church, and I am grateful. And I pray that you would bless every last person. Lord, from the the greatest to the least, Lord, among us, as they uh, give of of sometimes those hard-earned first fruits. Lord, some give in abundance and some give because they're simply being faithful and it hurts. And I pray that you'd bless them and those that are hurting, Lord, as they have been faithful to you. I know you will be faithful to them. Would you bless them? Lord, if they need a new job, would you give it to them? Lord, if their car isn't running just right, God, would you from heaven fix it? Thank you for these principles. We pray that we'd be faithful to them. We're grateful for your love for us. Thank you for letting us see the amazing things that are going on around the world. Lord, because these things are true in this church. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all of it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.